welcome to the Lou Review. I'm your host, Rosa, and my special guest today is Travis Hill. And Travis, I invited you here because I found out about your exciting new business called Teach Bourbon. Now, what is Teach Bourbon? Yeah, awesome. Happy to be here, and Rosa, appreciate it. Um, Teach Bourbon is all about bourbon education. Pretty straightforward there, but um, it's 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 through experiences is the big thing. It's not just um, a class or, you know, a study guide or anything like that. It's actually through experiences, through, you know, the exciting part of consuming bourbon, which, which a lot of us love to do, mm-hmm. but actually visiting places and meeting people and doing tastings, um, learning how to, to taste beyond just drinking, um, it's a lot of different things. It's kind of all encompassing. It's kind of mutated into not just tastings, but also um, doing elevated tours, mm-hmm. uh, VIP experiences, um, uh, time with industry folks as well. Um, but at the core of it, it is it is about learning about our native spirit here in in the states um, and the history of it, the current state, and and the future. Um, kind of most importantly okay so um do you teach in a class setting do you take people on one-on-one behind the scenes tours or um what's your main approach yeah so that's a common question that I get and and I would like to get to a point where I could offer classes uh, maybe next year but it's more um like tastings like get a group together whether it's like a real estate office or uh, at someone's Airbnb, they're in town, um, and then I can get in front of them and lead them through the tasting and educate them that way. So it's not an actual like scheduled class where I sit down and have a whiteboard. I, c- I could do something like that down the line, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's that. It's, it's going to the distilleries. Um, Are you kind of like wanting to function as a concierge? That's part of it. Yeah, it's really anything. I mean, also, I I can um, procure bottles. I can sell bottles. Um, and that is know. no joke because there are so many times, like, you find out a bottle is going to drop and it's in really high demand, but you have to be able to drive to the place that it's going to be sold at and right. get there before all the other people are <laughs> yep. who are very excited to get it as well. So is that something that you do? You keep your eye on the market and when things are going to be released? Yeah, I don't get involved in the chase anymore. I'm, I mean, I'm aware of it, but I don't get involved. I don't go to liquor stores very often. I've, I'm kind of, um, fat and happy, um, (laughs) because I've been doing it for a decade and I've got more bourbon than I know what to do with, but, um, I, I do pay attention to it. It's part of it, part of, you know, being a, a bourbon expert or whatever you want to call it is being aware of what's going on. So, I mean, I'm aware of the new releases, but uh, I can get them for anybody. I'm just not going to go wait in line mm. anywhere. Okay. <laughs> I just don't do that. <laughs> so, are you talking about procuring older bottles then that have been yeah, out for a anything, while? Or? Anything. Uh, okay. Old, new, whatever it is, you know, it's just um, not going to be at retail more than likely because if... Mm-hmm. Sure. Anything good is not going to be sitting on the shelf to begin with, but um, yeah, yeah, it's procurement. Kind of like they scalp the tickets at concerts, right? And then mm-hmm. the only tickets you can get are sky high prices, but there they are. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, people line up, uh, camp out, um, mm-hmm. flock, 
you know, when something's released, especially here in Louisville, I know it's mm-hmm. bad all over the country and a lot of the big cities. I don't think people quite understand how it is here <laughs> in Kentucky. We've we've got uh, people that do it for a living. What's the last um, one you saw where people were lined up outside the door waiting? Uh, that Kroger released a lot of their special bottles not long ago. The King of Kentucky. There were people. Oh. I know someone who was there for forty eight hours. Whoa. Um, in their car most of the time. I hope um, so. <laughs> that sounds uncomfortable. But uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy. I've done some stuff in the past, like Four Roses. I'll go mm-hmm. there at like you know five or six a.m. and they open at nine. But mm. that's the extent. My time, um, I'm not better than anybody, but to me, my time is more valuable. I'd rather pay a little bit extra when it hits the secondary markets mm. than go sit there in the cold or whatever. Because that's but, the cost of sitting out in the cold. <laughs> yeah, but people do it and they have fun. Like, it used mm-hmm. to actually be cool yeah. when I first moved to, to Kentucky. It was actually, people had a good time with it and everybody mm-hmm. knew each other and you mm-hmm. could, you know... It was um, kind of like waiting at, like the people like waiting in line for Avatar movie when it first came out. Yeah, basically. And they were all dressed up in costume. And I guess they did that for Star Wars, too, didn't mm-hmm. they, when that re- replayed? Yeah. But so. now it's it's a lot more competitive and people, there's a, not not like incidents or anything, but it's it's definitely more business oriented than Competitive having fun. instead yeah. of camaraderie. So I, I, okay. I can understand why people do it, though, especially when you can make... You know, the person that waited in line for 48 hours um, probably, you know, made close to 10 grand. So, I mean, it's okay. worth it. But, you know, I don't know. I might have done that, actually. <laughs> I might have been the Was exception. Was that person you? No. no. <laughs> no. So, how did you get into this? Are you a Kentucky boy? I'm not. I'm originally from California. What? Um, Are you lost? Which I read something today <laughs> that... that they're complaining about California and someone said people from California, you can tell they're from California cause they'll tell you. So I'm like, I hate to say it, but Hello? that's where I'm originally from. <laughs> I was there almost 30 years. I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm more yeah. proud that I left. I got real tired of it. Mm. Um, I was kind of aimless and right around the time I decided to leave, I really started to get into bourbon. This was about 10 years ago. While you were still in California. Yeah. I bought my first really found the 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 spark when I was out there still and I knew that I wanted to leave I didn't know I wanted to work in the bourbon industry but were you already in hospitality or any related industry yeah I was um um you know worked as bartender mm-hmm. managed restaurants um worked at banks um so definitely you know, retail definitely mm-hmm. customer facing and mm-hmm. and consumer uh, so I did like that part of it a little bit. I didn't like the retail and I, mm. yeah, now that I say it, I kind of walk out all back. I don't like <laughs> dealing with the public or Aww. working retail so much, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the general public, let's right, say. Right. Um, Cause you're also offering a service to people, but maybe right. not waiting at a desk for people to right. walk on up my, to you, right? on my turf, yes. you know, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, that was part of, I'm not going to, I'll cover that later, but um, I, I left and moved with my, to my mom's in Georgia. I knew I wanted to be in a big city, whether it was Atlanta or Charlotte or Austin. Mm. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have time to come up here uh, to Louisville as I got more and more into bourbon. Mm-hmm. And um, it took a number of trips before I actually came to Louisville. You used to just mm-hmm. go to Bardstown. You didn't come oh, to Louisville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then my my seventh trip, I came to Louisville and um, was like, oh, wow, this is a big city. You know, <laughs> it's not Shanghai or New York. People are always like, it's right. not a big city. Like, mm. it's a big city. I was living in a town of 1,100 people. It's a right. big city. <laughs> yeah. So I started coming here and just fell in love with, I obviously fell in love with bourbon, but the people here are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about food and sports and family and bourbon. Mm-hmm. I like the mix. Um, it's election day, so not getting into politics, but mm-hmm. I like the mix of the conservative kind of backbone and mm-hmm. a lot of progressive thinking, especially yeah. in Louisville. So I liked that, and the, the bourbon industry was a big family business, it mm-hmm. felt like. Um, so it was, a, it was easy decision for me to move up here, and it's been almost seven years. Yeah, and even with all the competition, what I've really liked is I've been talking to more people in the bourbon industry or the craft beer industry or anything or even the restaurant industry is the sense of community that they have because they see themselves as artisans Mm -hmm. a lot of them and the ones that do they really cling to each other and support each other like the guys from the different breweries will go around to each other's uh, bars and hang out with each other and learn from each other and like I'm sure there's an element of competition but at the same time um, that's what's really kept me coming back is that sense of community in all those different little sections, right? Right. So, who taught you about bourbon? You said you were a bartender. Is that how you, like, tasted bourbon for the first time? Or do you remember? Yeah, no, I, I did That is not, uh, funny enough. Um, my dad's always been a big Scotch fan, so I grew up around whiskey. Um, but I never really drank bourbon until I was getting ready to leave California. I, I just I've always loved Jack Daniels for not necessarily the whiskey, which I do like. Mm-hmm. Um, but the company itself, it's a true through and through American company, mm-hmm. which I really like, uh, drank it in college, obviously, you know? Um, so I kind of started there, but then I just was like, what, what's the best Jack Daniels I could buy? It turns out there's stuff you can buy from overseas. That's uh, different quote unquote, better than what's, sold here in the states so i bought that and i was like hey, you mean I kinda jack like daniels this. brand or or you mean just whiskey in general jack daniels whiskey do they fly it in planes and land it and then fly it back is that how they, they ship it, it over in containers a lot of times they ship it over on ships? Uh, in in bottles a lot of times yeah do you um, know about the blantons that they fly to japan and land and then fly it back no. Oh, that's a nice story. We're going to have to talk later. That's but, ridiculous. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> we'll see. I had it. It was amazing. Um, but so what transitioned you from Jack Daniels to bourbon? I just realized that I, I, I liked American whiskey. And mm-hmm. so I said, all right, well, let's try bourbon, which I'll, I will argue Jack Daniels is bourbon, but that's a whole nother podcast. Um, <laughs> And because so, it doesn't have to be made in Kentucky to be bourbon. Mm-mm. It does to be Kentucky bourbon. Right. I don't yeah. think... Well, anyways, <laughs> I could go on forever about You're that. like, I have been to so many states and have bourbon, I don't care where I am. <laughs> yeah, but the, the Tennessee whiskey thing in particular, that's mm-hmm. a whole... That's still a debate that will never end. <laughs> but I just decided to buy some some bourbon and bought Elijah Craig 12 year and angels envy second bottle I ever bought. And I was like, Hey, this stuff's, I can drink this. I like it. You know, Mm -hmm. I was drinking it with ginger ale, which I still Mm -hmm. think is a great drink. Mm -hmm. And then just started trying stuff. And you know, it was, it was 2012 and 
the world was crazy and I was just out of college a few years and working at a restaurant. So mm-hmm. we just were kind of partying and mm-hmm. it's just like buying bourbon and mm-hmm. having fun. And then I started to kind of re- refine my palate a little bit more and more. And then as I started coming up here, um, fast forward, it was the first time in my life that I found something that I was passionate about that I wanted to do for a living um, cause I don't necessarily like to work. And so mm-hmm. I, I got to find something that I enjoy doing, yeah. you know, it's easy to say, but to yeah. do it is difficult. I had to move yeah. across the country. You got to work hard to play hard, don't you? Yep. So I've been very fortunate since I moved here to fall in with the right crowd and, um, been spending a lot of time at the distilleries. I got into bourbon before it got too crazy, mm-hmm. uh, back when you could just go to the distilleries and they were kind of surprised that you care like, why did why do you, yeah what are you doing mm-hmm. here um so i've been just very fortunate my big break honestly was working at justin's house of bourbon mm-hmm. uh downtown louisville i opened that store uh, a few years ago um mm-hmm. with the justins and i met a lot of people in the industry there and i've met a lot of people myself before that and after but uh, that was mm-hmm. where i really got in the industry now because at that bar they only serve bourbon is their only spirit is that right yeah, yeah, basically. So basically. it's very specialized and focused, and it, was that helpful in refining your palate a lot? By the time I got there, I mm-hmm. knew what I was doing. Um, okay. And people how ask, you, how did you learn? Then did you teach yourself? That's exactly of? it. People ask how you how you know so much or how you've tried so much. It literally just comes from drinking too much. Like I've spent the for last too long. D- yeah, I've spent the last decade drinking way too much, which is something I'm <laughs> I'm changing. Uh, but, well, you um, did good. You came in here sober. I offered you water. You already had water. You're prepared <laughs> to drink water. Yep. I've been drinking a lot more red wine lately, if I'm honest. But oh, okay. that's kind of the fun thing. We drink a lot of Armagnac, rum, you know, scotch. Like, guys I know that are really into bourbon, we mm-hmm. drink everything. We just mm-hmm. like good things. It's Sure. We live a, a, a very, um, not luxurious lifestyle, <laughs> but we like to spend our money on good quality things, good mm-hmm. steaks, stuff like that. It's just kind of the way that a lot of the the connoisseurs are. You like fine things, so. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it just it just comes from uh, just drinking a lot of things. I try, mm-hmm. I try, I've tried um, thousands of of whiskeys and not just bourbon, but. Um, doing a lot of research, reading books, listening to podcasts. I mean, going to the distilleries, I get, mm-hmm. I've been fortunate to talk with some of the legends on multiple occasions. So I mm-hmm. learned things that you're not going to learn any, anywhere else than talking to the people that actually made it. Yeah. So that's where I have my insider knowledge that I pass along. There's a lot of misconceptions and, and misinformation. I know that's a buzzword, but there's a <laughs> lot of uh, untruths out there that the, the general bourbon public mm. think you know is the truth and it's it's not and what so, would an example of that be just a lot of the the history of the the big distilleries they say this person did that or this was the first person to do that and it's like we don't have any actual proof that that's true like they <laughs> may have done that mm-hmm. but once you start listening to people like um mike veach and even um fred minnick um Oh, yeah. Their books, you know, they cover a lot of that. Like, we have to to create this. You have to have those people mm-hmm. to bring in the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't blame them. The storytellers, is that The storytellers, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just like to, to go to the next level with people, um, talk about how bourbon's made, um, how to drink it, 
you know, a lot of, a lot of what's driving this renaissance in bourbon is women like yourself, which mm-hmm. is part of why where our relationship started. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're all for that. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all taste better than we do just scientifically. Your palates are better, but, uh, a lot of women are very turned off to it because mm-hmm. They're used to being, take a shot, this or that. Yeah. Or they don't really know how to drink it. And one of the things that I pride myself in and we did at House of Bourbon is, you know, is getting females to drink it properly. And more times than not, they're going to be like, oh, I actually can do this and mm-hmm. I do like it. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, that's part of it, too, is getting a, a crowd. I'll, I'll run into crowds of guys who think they know everything and don't. Guys who... <laughs> know more than they think they do women who like bourbon some that don't people that don't and by the end of it everybody's enjoying it and understanding it and it is a big it's it's a big part of our our heritage as a country and it's our unique product so Mm -hmm. uh, i think it's important for everybody to understand it and what's really cool is a lot of my family um, that either has never drank bourbon, never cared about it, or my dad who hasn't drank it for 50 years, they mm-hmm. love it and always want me to send them stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of cool as the generations are all getting into it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, 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 we need as a country to come together over a lot of different things. And I think mm-hmm. bourbon's one thing that we're starting to see everybody kind of getting into. So it's, it's definitely it's really cool. here in Louisville. Yes. Yeah. It's... And I know we've got a ways to go because there's a lot of people in Louisville and, and in Kentucky that don't know too much about bourbon. It so is it's so true. Crazy. Well, and you know, whiskey row in downtown Louisville ha- is a full of historic buildings that have recently been renovated and turned into great places to house distillery tours. Like I just did Evan Williams. I want to go to Fort Nelson, which is Michter's. And then, um, there's a few others. Um, Help me out here. What are some ones in historic buildings we don't want you to miss downtown? Angels Envy just oh, had their Old big Forester, renovation. Old Forester, for sure. Yes, Old Forester. Uh, that's tough to beat. Um, yeah. You know, Angels Envy is an old too. old building. I think their building was built in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, they just did a major renovation. Rabbit Hole, I th- believe, is a new building. Yeah, that's a new building. That's a new, new constru- building. Which is gorgeous. It's it just, is. And it's not technically on Whiskey Row, right? It's more towards Nulu. I think that's still technically whiskey row this is, is something that mike veach taught me that whiskey row extends down market and main um pretty pretty far it's not just that little stretch but that's what we refer to as whiskey row i mean it's not a street named whiskey row so mm-hmm. i mean it's really whatever we want to call it right so yep. if they build something new there we can just right. <laughs> say yeah it just keeps growing yep. <laughs> like you expand the river walk or something yeah you have mictors uh, evan mm-hmm. williams is building isn't anything too special but i'm sure it's been there forever while everything downtown has it is historic and it was there um at least let's see i think we learned about evan williams himself being making bourbon in the 1700s and then they showed us um inside they have a facade of the front of the building um and they were talking about how it was that way since the 1800s so it is a pretty historic building they just have a lot of really high-tech stuff inside now right so it doesn't it doesn't appeal much from the outside but inside it's really yeah it's just like an office building it looks super like nondescript Mm -hmm. so um yeah i love just history in general and the storytelling aspect really does get my attention but um yeah i was 
resistant and hesitant with bourbon because um, I, I probably had too much at once the first time, right? <laughs> and, I, like, in the first taste, I was like, ouch, <laughs> yeah. this just hurts. But I, I already didn't like wine because that gave me a headache. And um was trying different things and just... Over time, I realized, I, even though I didn't like the taste of it, we would have it with Coke or Coke Zero and Fresca are our drinks of choice, right? So like you were talking about with the ginger ale, I got used to drinking bourbon mixed with some soda. And I liked how I felt and I didn't feel hungover the next day. And so it was very, I liked how my body responded to it. Right. And so um, in getting to know different, um, like, distilleries I was like well I want to understand why people do these flights right so I tried a flight at uh, Jim Beam and learned I love Basil Hayden toast and it was so sweet and smooth and I was thinking oh but I don't like rye whiskeys until I had a flight where they said you get a, a rye with your Michter's flight and I was like can I not though? And they're like, yeah, you can switch to a different mixers for $60 more. And I was like, okay, I'll take the rye. And then that was my favorite. I almost offered you some when you came in tonight because <laughs> like, it just makes me so happy. But yeah. Um, that's part of why you got to just try things, but I, I understand the rye part. It's, it's still, there's still a long way to go in that category, but it, t it just is, it's spicier because mm -hmm. rye is a more intense, grain so i mean it's understandable mm -hmm. but a lot of these new ryes like peerless and and michter's and new riff mm -hmm. um they're doing them there's a lot of science behind it we don't have to get into it but mm -hmm. it's they're a lot a lot more softer like corn than a spicy mm -hmm. like rye like you may have run into right it, especially in the cheaper bottles right? right but um it was Let's see. I really think that having flights makes a huge difference for learning um, to compare immediately because I took a group of 15 women to Evan Williams and I don't think many of them had had a flight before. And so I heard several of them saying, oh, I don't like rye whiskey, though. But as he was describing things and they learned to add a little water here and there and um, we got to the rye, I think was the third out of four. Um, they were like, oh, my goodness, this isn't bad. Right. I might actually like this. And it was so cool because it was like mirroring my own experience. Right. So I kind of see why you would want to do this all the time to kind of walk with people through that discovery right it's like it's just the joy of teaching right yeah and it's something that i'm passionate about i like to say it's my hobby and my passion and my profession um so it, it brings me joy to to see other people get joy out of it um i'm gonna use that yeah sure <laughs> I like yeah, that. yeah um make that your no, slogan <laughs> to to two important things there is first of all blind tasting is a big part of why I've my palate is is what it's become mm -hmm. uh because you'll never know what you're gonna like or dislike um until you've removed the preconceived notions mm -hmm. so I've surprised myself a lot and, yeah. I, and now I know a lot of things I can t I'd be like I know what this is like I know what mm -hmm. it is without knowing what it is mm -hmm. but the bit my my biggest thing is the flights. That's when I do my quote unquote classes. It is a flight. I like to start with a weeded 
mm-hmm. bourbon, which has no rye in it. Mm-hmm. It's got wheat instead of rye. And then you go to a traditional bourbon. It's got a little bit of rye. Then you do something like Four Roses that has a much higher rye content. And then mm. I do a rye. So you can see and people understand the mash bills and then start talking yeah. about the barrels and the entry proofs and all that stuff. And that's, you can kind of get into the history. So that's what I, that's what I do. And I do my tastings or my, my classes, which is the, the part of working at house of bourbon that I loved the most. And I was like, well, why can't I just do this myself? And then it kind of became working for smaller brands as a freelance brand ambassador or, and then it was, someone had me set up tours and I was like, oh, that's cool. I can do that. You know, it's, mm-hmm. so it's a lot of different things, but yeah, there's some versatility there. Yeah. Anything bourbon related <laughs> that I can make a little money is, is the goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is your vision for your business teach bourbon? Yeah, it's a tough one that I wrestle with every day because I have a good job. Um, and the teach bourbon can't get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are telling me like, oh, this could be a full-time thing for you. And I'm like, probably, possibly, but I don't really want to. Could wanna... it take up that much time? Yes. Would yeah. it be worth it? And financially, yeah. like there are a lot of people doing tours uh, for tourists around here. Now, what I wanted to partner with you to do that we're coordinating on is teaching local women right. um, the history that we live around all day Mm -hmm. and uh, have never been down whiskey row you know and learned what's right at our fingertips um and so we're gonna do some distillery tours together and um we've already started Mm -hmm. and so um i think that that is gonna be a really cool niche to operate in but we have so much tourism here just all year yep so especially in the fall right it's all year now. It I mean, is just spring all year. And, and summer and fall. Where it's it'd be interesting to see post COVID how mm-hmm. we do in the winter because we don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's been a it's been a juggernaut of a year for sure. Um, so I'm I'm certainly not opposed to doing stuff for people that are that don't know anything or know much about the industry. But my mm-hmm. kind of forte is the elevated uh, experiences, the next level education. We don't mm-hmm. have a lot of that. Uh, in the industry, it is very surface level. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you I'm go kind to of a lot ahead of distillery of tours, and they keep telling you the same things over and over again. And, Correct. Yeah. They work really hard to make their experiences unique and elevate them as people get more and more into it. But the the next level education is is certainly lacking. Um, so that's why I like to tag along on a lot of tours and kind of add to what the tour guides are saying because mm-hmm. I, I love them to death, and I'm not. I just know more than they do most of the time, you know, and I'm not trying to step on their toes or anything. I just want to add to it mm-hmm. and yeah. maybe teach them something. And look, I don't know everything. I love when I yeah. meet someone that teaches me stuff. It's all about mm-hmm. us all educating and understanding more. It's not about me just talking to people. Right. Yeah. And I think that value of walking people through an experience is really valuable because, um, because you can talk to people all day and like as I learned as a nurse people retain about 10% of what you Correct. teach them <laughs> so then don't be surprised when you need to come back in there the next time and say the same thing again right. and hope that they retain 10% more right. yeah. <laughs> and so it needs to be like a layered approach and especially when you're you can only drink so much alcohol before you're like okay I'm just gonna enjoy this and I'm not really learning much anymore right, <laughs> right? yeah yeah those right. brain cells are put to sleep right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you do have to be careful with that. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it is, uh, you know, it is alcohol. It's part of why it's hard to drink and and people have to respect that. And I think a lot of people don't. And Mm -hmm. once you once you kind of understand that in small sips, you know, it's a little easier to stomach. Mm -hmm. Pun intended, I guess, or not. I don't know. (laughs) Well, yeah, you want to be careful with that. Oh, what I was going to tell you is my grandmother's maiden name. It's not a password to any of my accounts. But uh, my grandmother's maiden name was Rye, and she is Irish. So I felt, like, obligated to try the Mm -hmm. Rye because I was like, okay, what's what's this namesake going on? So I'm really glad to have found some ride that I liked. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with me, Travis, and I look forward to working with you on teaching some more of the local women about bourbon and elevating our experience. So, Travis, if people want to book your services to teach them more about bourbon, how can they get in touch with you? Real easy. Teachbourbon.com. Teach Bourbon on Facebook. Um, I have an Instagram and I think there's a Twitter, but I don't use those. It's hard enough. Teachbourbon.com. <laughs> Pretty easy. All right. And you Thank actually you. check those messages then. I do. Good deal. Yep. All right. So look him up and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of the next episode. Bye.